Now it's time to see who has the heart. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. This is your fight. Now go out there and take it. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Welcome to the Best of Tailgate Talk, where we go back into the archives and hear some of our special guests you may have missed the first time around. We'll be back with the Best of Tailgate Talk after this. Come see all your friends at Applebee's in Athens. 12 minutes guaranteed or it's free Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Seven items to choose from. Can't make it for lunch? Visit them for happy hour, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. or late night. Half-price appetizers with beverage purchase, six appetizers to choose from. Call 233-4430 or order online at Applebee's.com and pick your meal up with car side to go. Applebee's Neighborhood Grill, Highway 72 in Athens, just off I-65. Eating good in the neighborhood. Real estate, real easy. That's the motto at Innovative Realty Solutions, and providing the highest quality real estate services is their mission. With sound real estate advice, the latest information, and a skilled analysis of the real estate market, Innovative Realty Solutions offers a better home buying and selling experience with a fair, ethical, and, yes, innovative process. Innovative Realty Solutions. Visit them on Facebook, online at InnovativeRealtySolutions.com, at 100 North Clinton Street in Athens, or call 230-5950. Innovative Realty Solutions. Real estate, real easy. When things go wrong, State Farm is here to help life go right. And Agent Michael Howell is the one who can help get things back on track. See Michael for your auto, home, life, health, property, and business insurance and be ready for those unexpected twists that life throws at you. Ask about banking and annuities, too. Call State Farm Agent Michael Howell at 232-5400. Visit him online at michaelhowell.net or go see him at 903 South Clinton Street in Athens. State Farm Agent Michael Howell. There when things go wrong here to help life go right from day one first national bank has been built on a strong foundation of community first first to lend a helping hand first to help with community events and fundraisers first to support local students athletic programs and civic organizations first to support events like united way relay for life and many more charitable events and most importantly working for our great community without you there'd be no first national bank making communities great together that's what we strive for equal housing lender member fdic the world is changing the tailgate talk app has changed it's got a new name and a new look it's now known as pas plus and it's your home for applebee's tailgate talk along with james clement sports and calhoun basketball change never heard huh look for the download links at pasnetwork.net or tailgatetalk.net pas plus play action sports plus a little extra pas plus from play action sports Back with another Best of Tailgate Talk and more fun interviews from past shows this morning. We start things off hearing from author John Rosengren, who visited with us about his latest book, The Greatest Summer in Baseball History, How the 73 Season Changed Us Forever. We move on to our first conversation with former sprinter Tyree Washington. Former Alabama linebacker Conley Duncan comes in after that, followed by former Auburn fullback Kevin McLeod. Sports psychologist Dr. Harold Shanitsky wraps things up. 
We'll be back live in a couple of weeks at Mud Volleyball for a Cure at Swan Creek Park next to Athens Middle School. So be sure to come see us and maybe form a team to play in the tournament. Also, don't forget to go to tailgatetalk.net and enter your nominations for Athlete of the Week polls starting back up in August. We'll be back with Best of Tailgate Talk after this. P4 Physical Therapy is a new outpatient provider offering community-based care with a unique partnership model that allows them to consistently deliver world-class outpatient care, emphasizing personalized hands-on treatment. Whether it's orthopedic, physical, geriatric, or manual therapy, sports or neuro rehab, telehealth, or most any type of muscle or joint pain, P4 Physical Therapy promises to treat you with integrity, compassion, faithfulness, and selflessness. Locations in Athens, Huntsville, and Winfield, Alabama, as well as Fayetteville and Knoxville, Tennessee. Look for them on Facebook or online at p4physicaltherapy.com. Daly & Son Car Care is Ardmore's only one-stop auto repair and tire shop. Whether it's major mechanic or brake work or routine maintenance like an oil change or lube job, Daly & Son Car Care has been satisfying customers all over with their fast and friendly service. They're also your headquarters for quality Cooper tires. Stop by and see Wayne, Nikki, or Dale at 25600 Main Street in Ardmore, Tennessee or call them at 931-427-4651. They're on Facebook too. Daily and Sun Car Care, open Monday through Friday, 7.30 till 5, and Saturday, 7.30 till noon. Ardmore Telephone Company has been operating right here in your community since the 1950s. Over the years, we've brought you advanced communication services such as telephone, high-speed internet, and security systems. And going forward, we'll be right here ready to provide you with innovative services and the high level of customer service you've come to expect. At Ardmore Telephone, our proof is the test of time. Running decades deep, we're Ardmore Telephone, and we are here to stay. For more details, call 1-800-830-9946 or visit ardmore.net. With all the technology around us today, it's hard to keep up. Goldsmith Technical Services specializes in residential and commercial computer and electronics repair, automation, IT services, and home theater systems and audiovisual services. Goldsmith Technical Services. Call or text 256-203-4226. Visit them on Facebook or online at goldsmithtechnical.com. Let them tailor a package that meets your needs. Goldsmith Technical Services. 256-203-4226. While others have come and gone, the Lion's Den Gym has been roaring as a workout and exercise fixture in Athens, growing from its humble basement beginnings in 1981 to their current 10,000 square foot location at 212 Commercial Drive in Athens. The Lion's Den offers 24-7 access to their ever-expanding equipment collection that includes treadmills and climbers, elliptical trainers, stationary bikes, loose weights and dumbbells, and over 45 different weight machines. Contact the Lion's Den Gym about a membership today at 256-652-2627. Visit them online at lionsdengym.com or on Facebook, The Lion's Den Gym, 256-652-2627. Have you noticed bad behavior has become normalized at interscholastic athletic events? Some fans seem angry. They lack civility toward one another. Some even get aggressive and unruly. Time out! What is going on? This has to stop. Let's not forget, school sports aren't just about winning. And they're definitely not an excuse to take your frustrations out on the official or the opponent. They're about teaching lessons like perseverance, respect, and empathy so students can learn and grow as people, not just as players. 
We all have a role to play in setting a good example for our students and teaching them these important values. So fans, it's time to step up your game and behave positively at interscholastic athletic events in Alabama. This message presented by the AHSAA and the Alabama High School Athletic Directors and Coaches Association. Tune in every Tuesday through Thursday this coming football season for the WKAC Coaches Shows. Join us as we get the scoop from Ardmore, Athens, Clements, East Limestone, Elkmont, James Clemens, Tanner, and West Limestone. The WKAC Coaches Shows on 1080 WKAC. Welcome back to the best of tailgate talk on 1080 WKAC. We have got the author, John Rosengren. The greatest summer in baseball history, how the 73 season changed us forever. Now, we, John, we've been speculating on what happened in that 73 season because we've not read your book yet. Fill us in and let us know, man. Well, um, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me on. Thank um, you for joining us. So, 1973 was actually a watershed year in baseball history. Um, not only did you have a very exciting pennant race with the Mets and the um, coming from last place on August 30th to uh, win the division and then the playoff and go to the World Series, and you had the a- Oakland A's, you know, the um, um irascible bunch of guys who fought among themselves but were united by a common enmity of their owner, Charlie Finley, and they got to the World Series. And there you had Willie Mays in his final years passing the torch of superstardom to Reggie Jackson in his first World Series, who defined the, the modern superstar with his chest-thumping uh, big talk. Right. And then... We also had George Steinbrenner buying the Yankees at a time when the Yankees had fallen on hard times. And he uh, brought the infusion of big money into the game which, to buy back the Yankees' faded glory. And you had <clears throat> excuse me, Hank Aaron chasing yeah. Babe Ruth's hallowed 714 mark. And that riveted the nation, and not just baseball fans, but you know, NBC was interrupting its programming to yeah. announce his home runs in September. And he was, uh, Newsweek called him the most conspicuous sports figure in America. <clears throat> so that was huge. And most significantly, perhaps, was the introduction of the designated hitter rule, which was the first major rule change in 80 years in Major League Baseball, and it changed the game forever. So that one season, I think, okay. you know, there's before 1973 and after 1973 in Major League Baseball history. Gotcha. That call me, call me what you want to call me. I don't care. The uh, designated hitter rule. It's for yeah. candy butts that don't want to bat after they throw a, throw a high and tight. you got to expect to be up there and go batting as well. Yeah. yeah I, I'm well, a, you know, that's what, not a fan. That's what Carl, Carl Yastrzemski raised that same argument. He was concerned that if pitchers could go out and take the mound without having to come to the plate, yeah. that they'd be more likely to throw at batters. And sure enough, there was a, a couple of guys did a study, an analytic study on that. In the first eight years of the designated hitter rule, they looked at what's called the moral hazard, where if you can engage in a beha- insurance companies use this, right? And yeah. um, the actuaries. And if you can engage in risky behavior without fear of consequence, the moral, it, it goes, the theory yeah. goes, you're more likely to engage in that risky behavior. And sure enough, they noticed that in those first eight years, batters were more likely to get hit by 11 to 17%. 
So, yeah. <laughs> yes, double digit right. percentage. <laughs> double digit mm-hmm. percentage, yeah. Which analytic study aside, that's kind of common sense. <laughs> it's human yeah, nature. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> if I, Yeah, if I'm not going to have to re- receive any consequences, I'm probably going to do something, <laughs> you know. Right. But here's the other thing that's counterintuitive is people thought, well, it'll um, be better for hitters but not for, and you know, the offense. It'll be better for offense than defense. And sure enough, it, it, you know, they started it because attendance was down and they wanted to do something to bring fans back into the ballpark. And sure enough, it did raise hits and um, it number of runs and home runs and most importantly brought fans back into the game. Yeah. But it also surprisingly um, raised the number of pitchers who were um, completing games and winning 20 games mm, because yeah. they weren't getting pinch hit for. And so there were more... There were 12 20 game winners in the American League in 1973, which was a record number. Interesting. Okay. Wow. And that makes yeah. sense. I, mean, I just, my thing with the designated hitter rule was always, I didn't, you know, if you're going to do it, let's let's do it on both sides. Yeah. You know, like do it across the board. Which, or which they, do do they do now. They do now, but then, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, right. And so it did cause controversy, like in the World Series, of course, yeah, yeah. the American League pitchers had to bat, and they hadn't swung a bat all year. And so people were worried it was going to look pretty ugly. <laughs> that's when you say, but There well, were some surprises. At, there were some surprises. I'll say that. That's when you say, That's not our problem. Y'all are the, <laughs> y'all are the wusses that don't want a bat. <laughs> John, John, well, anyways, you, go ahead. Let's change the subject. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. John, how do you think the state of the game is now? Hmm. Good question. Well, you know, it's interesting because we're talking about rule changes. And, of course, there are the new rule changes coming into effect this year. And um, I personally don't mind the shift because I think it's a, a strategic move. And, yeah, it can cut down on runs. An offense, um, but I think uh, you know they were doing this back with Ted Williams, actually Hank Aaron in 1973. He had a bad back, and so he had to adjust his swing and could only pull the ball. So teams shifted, and and that you know hurt his uh, output. But I think I like the defensive shift for the strategic element, and uh, that's to me baseball is a cerebral game, and so yeah. I like to see as much strategy as possible in it. But that that said, um, I uh, you know I'll, I'll see how it plays out this year. The the size of the base is being enlarged. It's kind of funny. They say it's going to be four point reduce the distance by four point five inches, and that's going to be enough to increase stolen bases. I, it it seems like a small, such a tiny amount, but we'll see, right? Yeah. And then the well, final you have to thing run first, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> But in order to get uh, the, the the pitch clock, I think will be the most interesting thing. Yeah. I think once yeah. people adjust, nobody's going to be complaining that games are going faster because I'm so tired as, as you guys probably are. The guy stepping out of the batter's box yes. and adjusting both their batting gloves. It's like, come on, guys, play ball. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. you're right about that. I was buddy. I went to uh, Jupiter. I went I went to work I worked down south and uh, down in South Florida and uh, caught a game in Jupiter, Florida at Roger Dean Stadium. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday it was, I believe. And uh, pitch clock was working. Uh, it was it was it was nice. I preferred I prefer the pitch clock as it is because get in know, there and hit, do your business, and, and go on. And honestly, if you get down to five seconds and the pitcher's he's eyeing the rubber, towing the rubber, and getting ready to deliver, they shut the clock off. It's not like it's like not like a shot clock with a horn, right. you know, or you <laughs> right, yeah, right, <laughs> you know, if, or they just stop the action. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's not it. I mean, the, the the clock is there, and it's it's a it's observed. I mean, both sides. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, if, and it, what's interesting is they 
want to get the game time down to two and a half hours, which is what it was in 1973. Hmm. But even in, in 1973, at two and a half hours, people were complaining the game was too long because <laughs> yeah. it had been two hours, you know, 20 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see them go back to real dirt. <laughs> in, dirt infield, man. Love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for the dirt myself. And natural grass. We'll be back with more of our Tailgate Talk conversation after this. Limestone Drug, located on the square in downtown Athens, is your local health park pharmacy. As your local health park pharmacy, Limestone Drug is locally owned and has a personal commitment to the community. Limestone Drug honors prescription drug plans, including Medicare. They accept flex spending cards and fill prescriptions in minutes, not hours. Limestone Drug knows there's nothing more important than your family's well-being. So shop Limestone Drug at 200 West Market Street in Athens, your local health park pharmacy. Limestone Drug, caring for you and about you. Your roof is the first line of defense for your home. Do you have water stains on your ceiling, paint peeling off your walls, shingles missing? It's probably time for you to get your free roof inspection. Locally owned and operated, licensed and insured, Yellowhammer Roofing is the Yellowhammer State Hometown Team. Yellowhammer Roofing, let our family protect what's most important to you, your family. 256-232-1933 or online at yellowhammerroofing.com. For screen printing, sign printing, banners, logo design, and more, look no further than that shirt printing place. Located at 709 North Jefferson Street in Athens, call 256-444-1827. That shirt printing place. Visit them online at thatshirtprintingplacellc.com. Look for them on Facebook, too. That shirt printing place. 256-444-1927. That shirt printing place. School may be out, but you can still enter your nominations for the Applebee's Athlete of the Week over the summer for the upcoming school year. Just go to tailgatetalk.net and fill out the form. While you're there, check out the Tailgate Talk archives and see what you might have missed. That's the Applebee's Neighborhood Athlete of the Week. Enter your nominations today from Applebee's Neighborhood Grill, Tailgate Talk, and 1080 WKAC. We're back now with more of our conversation on the best of Tailgate Talk. These four-hour games, three-and-a-half, four-hour games, that's just too long. Because you got you, some kids, you know, you got, like I got little ones, and they can't sit there that long. Mm-mm. Right. No, that's true. But, you know, I think uh, one of the things causing excitement in 1973 was uh, Hank Aaron chasing Babe yeah. Ruth and the number of home runs he was hitting. And he was, um, I mean, he needed 41 that season to tie 7-14. And he got off at you know toward pace, and he hit 700, and and everybody was just really excited. And then, um, what a lot of people today probably don't realize is you know there's obviously people understand the pressure of trying to okay. produce right. home runs. I mean, we watch it with Aaron Judge. We've seen it with others. But the um, thing that uh, Hank Aaron had to deal with was that summer he was getting more hate mail or he was getting more mail than anybody in the country but President Nixon and a lot of it was hate mail and there were these ugly racial epithets there were threats on his life on his children's lives and so he had a you know policeman assigned him as a bodyguard Uh, you know there were guys in the stands looking around trying to make sure nobody had a gun and that wasn't an unrealistic uh, fear because just a year earlier in the 72 World Series a guy was arrested with a gun inside the stadium so Hank Aaron lived under incredible pressure and fear that year, and at the same time, he bore it with a grace and dignity that I think makes him a hero for all time. Yes. And so, yeah. in my book, he's the all-time home run king. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think he is, and just about anybody. Maybe not a 25-year-old you know, person, yeah. but anybody who's been around, absolutely, yes. And always yeah. will be. 
Right. Yeah. So that's part of the story I, I tell and unravel in this book, along with George Steinbrenner, which, uh, you know, he he bought the team and he said, I'm going to stick to building ships. Well, before spring training was over, he'd given the manager a list of guys who needed haircuts. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and he had um, made, given guys raises and made them the highest paid team in the uh, in the league and that was before the season even started and then of course he meddled continued to meddle so much during the season that uh, Ralph Howe quit uh, the manager quit uh, at the end of the year because he just couldn't handle it and then of course you know we everybody knows the saga uh, that unfolded with Billy Martin yeah. and yeah. George Steinbrenner so he uh, he just couldn't stay away and, and keep from meddling with the team <laughs> So I was going to say, so it looks like it, that uh, the first uh, manager wasn't the only the only manager that, or Billy Martin wasn't the only manager that had problems with him. Nope. Well, exactly. And actually before, also uh, early on, not just uh, the manager quit, but his major partner was forced out, oh, wow. uh, Mike wow. Burke. And uh, Lee McPhail, the general yeah. manager. Yeah. Oh, I did not. Quit. I don't remember yeah. that. Well, of course, I was eight, but I mean, through the years, I've read about stuff. And, Todd, what's wrong you know, with you, man? But no, I mean, I've read. I mean, I've read enough. I should remember now, that. Yeah. I've seen a yeah. and I didn't know that. Now, didn't he buy yeah, the team? So, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. The, I'm the, sorry. The boss. The boss was not the dream boss. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everybody like hated the boss. Now, didn't he buy the team from CBS? Didn't CBS own the Yankees? Right. The C- CBS had bought the team in 64 for something like $13 uh, million and change, and Steinbrenner got it for $10 million. So they ran the team at a loss. <laughs> and and not only were they losing games, they were losing money. So Steinbrenner bought the team for $10 million, you know, bargain basement price. Wow. I heard today they're wow. worth something like $7 billion. Yeah. So yeah. wouldn't you have loved to have gotten in on that deal, <laughs> like uh, buying Apple stock when it was first issued? No kidding. Exactly. Because I remember my dad. My dad's a huge Yankee fan, and he, and my his uh, um, one of his friends. They are the only ones that had TVs at the time, so that's and they could watch Yankee games on CBS. And he said that was the best time of his life. Get really? to watch Mickey Mantle play ball. On TV. Yeah, yeah, that I hear. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Those were the glory days with Mickey Mantle, but they, they, they uh, had fallen on hard times after that. Yeah, he did, and I hate that because he was such a good ball player. Well, John, I'm looking down the list of your other books, and this is not the only baseball book you've put out there. No, I also did a biography of Hank Greenberg, who was a Hall of Fame player in the 30s and 40s, but most significantly was a Jewish ball player, player who brought hope to the Jewish people during a time of intense anti-Semitism in around uh, leading up to and through World War II. And I did a book on Juan Marshall and John Roseboro, who had the famous fight where Marshall clubbed Roseboro over the head with his bat. Dang! Wow. The, the, that kept Marshall out of the Hall of Fame, but then the two surprisingly reconciled and became friends. And so I tell that story in the fight of their lives. And then I, um, last year, a collection of my baseball articles came out called uh, Classic Baseball. And it has stories about, you know, some heroes like Hank Aaron and, and uh, others. But it also has stories about lesser knowns, like a guy here in Minnesota, a utility infielder with a cult following called La Tortuga. So uh, that's a fun book, too. Tortuga, that was, that's an island, isn't it? Or a... It's a um, name, means turtle in Spanish. Oh, it so means he's turtle. He's a Venezuelan. <laughs> he's a Venezuelan gotcha. who runs like his, who earned his nickname because he run like a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's funny. 
Now, John, did, yeah. did I read this? Were the, wasn't the Braves criticized for, for sitting Hank Aaron in that Cincinnati series because they knew he was coming home, could have break the record at home? Then they, then, then the Braves take some hate for that, for sitting him yeah, in the last game in Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, he stalled the 1973 season at 713, so he didn't quite get there. Hit 40 home runs, but he needed 41 to tie. So long, cold winter for him, but when he came back, he pretty quickly uh, in that first series against Cincinnati hit number 714, and then, he, yeah, they waited till, uh they got back to Atlanta for him to hit uh, 715. Mm. Against Al Downing. Al Downing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> I can st- I can still remember watching that. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, Kurt, yeah. Kurt I've never Gowdy. seen that in Kurt Gowdy. Call- <laughs> hey, and that's probably outside of Keith Jackson, Kurt Gowdy been the best. But Kurt Gowdy would have been the best one to call him baseball anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. Although, you know, there's a YouTube video with Vin Scully. Yeah. You know, saying yeah. that deep, yes. a black man in the deep south has bad or the fans are cheering for a black man in yes. the deep south. It's just a great, it's, it's chilling to hear his call. It, it. is. Right. It is. I'm glad yeah. you said that. And then the, yeah. two, the two guys that followed him around the bases, you know, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he became friend with them. Every oh, did he really? Yeah. Okay. Of course, I'm sure in, in that moment, in that moment, be scary because, you know, all these threats against him and stuff, and you don't know if somebody is going to what they're doing, what their intentions are. Of yeah, course, they were just happy, you know. But yeah. exactly, yeah, they're there to celebrate. But yeah. when you see him run around, he's not too happy to have him along for the no, ride. He is not. <laughs> no. It was a yeah. little bit easier to make it onto the field, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they talk. I, I talk about that in this book during the '73 season. There are several times when fans would come onto the field kind of prematurely to celebrate, you know, when they thought the team was going to win, especially in, uh, at Chase Stadium. Or uh, in the Oakland Coliseum, they would jump onto the field and the police had to, you know, go chase them away. There was one fan who ran up, first grabbed Willie or uh, Reggie Jackson's hat oh, in no. Oakland, grabbed his hat during the World Series, yeah, and starts running away. Reggie drops his glove, gives chase, and then a woman comes and grabs his glove and runs away with it. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I mean, can you imagine that happening today? <laughs> then this is way before Morgana. And I fixed the sight kissing bandit oh, was wow. the first one that popped into my head there. Hey, way off. Yeah, the kissing way, bandit. Uh-huh. I'd forgotten all about that. Well, way off subject, but I, I saw you where you did a retweet from the Tigers history where uh, Mark the Bird Fedrick was uh, uh, on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah. The only baseball player yeah. to ever be on Rolling Stone. But, uh, and it had to be around this time because I was around 10, 11, or 12, and I'd have been mm-hmm. 12 at this time. But um, he actually got hurt, and my great grandmother, and she didn't know who Mark the Bird Fedrick was, but um, carried me to see the Evansville Triplets play. I'm from Evansville, Indiana, originally, and we were there visiting. Although and it I got to see, like he was there, yeah. Well, no, it does not sound like it. But, uh, yeah, Mark was uh, at down AAA, it was AAA ball, and he was down rehabbing an injury, and I got to see him pitch. And that place was, I, I just can barely remember, but I remember it being packed yeah. and everybody just coming to see him. Um, you know, we've had so many great players come through the years, and, and in our minds growing up, I mean, the game's changed so much, right? You don't steal bases anymore. You don't, you know, hit and run. You know, all those kind of strategic small ball. things. Right? Small balls out. But I don't know. Baseball was just so much more fun to me in, in, in the 70s and 80s. I don't know. Do you, right. What are your thoughts? Well, well, I think there's something, too, about nostalgia and the way it figures into our perception of yeah. sports because I think yeah. there's a time in a boy's life between when he learns to read a box score – 
and he discovers girls that sports <laughs> are magical. You know, that's the golden era of sports, I think, in our memory of when we were just, we could understand the game, we were consumed by it, maybe collecting baseball cards, you know, following yeah. it, listening to it on the radio. It was, that was the golden era of sports, I think, for most of us, regardless of when that occurred. You, you know, know uh, you, John, that should have been a line in the movie um, Sandlot. There comes a time in a boy's life when he learns to read a box score. Right before Squints kisses Wendy on the mouth. That would have been a great line to put in that movie right there. <laughs> right, and his uh, sports fandom ends at that moment. You bring, you bring up a great point, though. Exactly. Well, yeah. tell everybody. And so I think. Oh, go, go ahead. Well, sorry, I just think it's natural for us to, you know, kind of look back on those days and think that's when the sports were best. Yeah. And for me, I turned nine the summer of 73, and so I was looking for a season when you know, the, the, all these important events occurred and that changed the game significantly and, and it happened in 73, but I think I also loved writing about it so much and researching about it so much because I remembered it so fondly as a time uh, for my youth. <clears throat> That's yeah. good. Go ahead, Tim. Well, I was going to say, tell everybody how they can uh, get this book or some of your other ones. Well, they're on Amazon. They're on IndieBound. If you want to support independent booksellers, that's I-N-D-I-E, Bound, IndieBound. Um, and then, uh, you know, people can ask for them at their library. And if they don't have it at the library, uh, ask them to order it. And a lot of times libraries will. So um, many ways for them to people to find it. I think that's the first also, time I've ever... Local bo- Sorry, book and bricks and mortar stores too. Of course, okay. <laughs> they can that's find the, it there at Barnes and Noble and others. That's the first time I've ever heard an author say, "Look at your library; it should be there." So, <laughs> kudos, bud. Kudos to that. Well, well I'm thanks, a big John. fan of libraries. They're important. Uh, yes. Democracy in our our communities. Exactly. Yes, awesome. that's the truth. That's the truth. Well, brother, thank you so much, John. Thanks, John. Ladies and yeah, gentlemen, man. John Rosengren, uh, with author of the book, The Greatest Summer in Baseball History, How the 73 Season Changed Us Forever. Thanks for your time, my friend. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Uh, Yes, sir. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time to take a quick break. You're listening to Applebee's Tailgate Talk on WKAC, the Big 1080. Real estate, real easy. That's the motto at Innovative Realty Solutions, and providing the highest quality real estate services is their mission. With sound real estate advice, the latest information, and a skilled analysis of the real estate market, Innovative Realty Solutions offers a better home buying and selling experience with a fair, ethical, and, yes, innovative process. Innovative Realty Solutions. Visit them on Facebook, online at InnovativeRealtySolutions.com, at 100 North Clinton Street in Athens, or call 230-5950. Innovative Realty Solutions. Real estate, real easy. Ardmore Telephone Company has been operating right here in your community since the 1950s. Over the years, we've brought you advanced communication services such as telephone, high-speed internet, and security systems. And going forward, we'll be right here ready to provide you with innovative services and the high level of customer service you've come to expect. At Ardmore Telephone, our proof is the test of time, running decades deep. We're Ardmore Telephone, and we are here to stay. For more details, call 1-800-830-9946 or visit ardmore.net. 
P4 Physical Therapy is a new outpatient provider offering community-based care with a unique partnership model that allows them to consistently deliver world-class outpatient care, emphasizing personalized hands-on treatment. Whether it's orthopedic, physical, geriatric or manual therapy, sports or neuro rehab, telehealth, or most any type of muscle or joint pain, P4 Physical Therapy promises to treat you with integrity, compassion, faithfulness, and selflessness. Locations in Athens, Huntsville, and Winfield, Alabama, as well as Fayetteville and Knoxville, Tennessee. Look for them on Facebook or online at p4physicaltherapy.com. When things go wrong, State Farm is here to help life go right. And Agent Michael Howell is the one who can help get things back on track. See Michael for your auto, home, life, health, property, and business insurance and be ready for those unexpected twists that life throws at you. Ask about banking and annuities, too. Call State Farm Agent Michael Howell at 232-5400. Visit him online at michaelhowell.net or go see him at 903 South Clinton Street in Athens. State Farm Agent Michael Howell. There when things go wrong here to help life go right come see all your friends at applebee's in athens 12 minutes guaranteed or it's free monday through friday 11 a.m to 3 p.m seven items to choose from can't make it for lunch visit them for happy hour 3 p.m to 7 p.m or late night half price appetizers with beverage purchase six appetizers to choose from call 233-4430 or order online at applebee's.com and pick your meal up with car side to go applebee's neighborhood grill highway 72 in athens just off i-65 eating good in the neighborhood Keep up with local school, travel, youth, and amateur sports throughout the week with the Play Action Sports Update. Listen weekday mornings at 7.30 and weekday afternoons at 1.30 and 3.30 as we bring you the latest scores, news, and announcements from Limestone County and surrounding communities. That's the Play Action Sports Update three times a day, Monday through Friday on 1080 WKAC. You're listening to the best of Tailgate Talk on 1080 WKAC. Ladies and gentlemen, from Rivers, born in Riverside, California, Mr. Tyree Washington, world-class sprinter. Tyree, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> hey, he was, having I'm a, to, he was having to do some running of his own there around the house. I'm going to tell you what our co-host Todd, this is Tom, by the way. I'm going to tell you what our co-host Todd just said <laughs> while we were calling you. He said he issued a, a challenge last week. For you on the, he said he'd smoke you on the forty. I'm like, dude, you ain't gonna be doing nothing but standing there smoking uh, as he's running past yeah. you in the forty, <laughs> which I don't smoke. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that's a bad deal right there. I, I, I wouldn't want that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was just joking, Tyler. Yeah, I told him. I said, well, maybe he was intimidated by my speed after that conversation that, that we did not have. But you have to so, see Todd. Yeah, you'd have to see me. I'm, um, I'm as wide as I am tall, so I'm not being. <laughs> you would, you would be at the forty when I'm crossing the five yard line. So there oh, we go. <laughs> we could roll in. Down the, down. But, yeah, Tyree. Last night we had a, what, a, a, an announcer was in the in the sp- uh, the booth, the press box, and we were calling a high school football game. And the announcer was really fast when when he played high school football. Yeah. So Todd challenged him to a, a, yeah. a two yard dash. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna start at the goal line, end it to two. I don't got old Tyree. I can't move no more, man. <laughs> Everybody ain't used to be. <laughs> Tell me, man, when he gets fifty, his parts start falling yeah. off. So <laughs> listen, um, yeah. before before we get into the the track conversation, which obviously, man, you know, having that title, fastest man in the world. Which I can't even imagine how great that felt. Um, tell me real quick, or tell us real quick about um, you know you, you signed with the Chargers and got hurt in camp, and went to Oakland, and and maybe how that transition was. Like, did you play high school football 
Um, I was, well, you didn't play any college football, correct? No, I actually played. Uh, I mean, I'm going to talk about this in my autobiography. Oh, okay. Little snapshot about it, but yeah, I was. I went to Lawson High School. I was in Riverside, California. I uh, played all four years and was an all-state cornerback. And then I was heavily recruited. I was heavily recruited uh, all over the country. I played cornerback and free safety. And so everybody wanted me, but I signed with University of Oregon because I had a really good friend, Pat Johnson, who played wide receiver at University of Oregon. He went on to Baltimore, won the Super Bowl. And so, but I had some academic issues, and, and, and so they're like, hey, why don't you go to junior college and then come back? But I got really antsy, and I started traveling all over the country, and then uh, my scholarship was gone, and then I went to the junior, I went to Riverside Community College in my hometown, and I played four games. And then I went. Then I left there because I was like, "Hey, I was kind of feeling it." And then I went across town to San Bernardino uh, Valley College, uh, and and I started to run track. But back in that was back in 1997. I was at San Valley, but then in 1999, that's when I decided that even though I was excelling in track and field, I'm going to go back and play. I want to go back to. I want to go play football in the NFL. So I hired an agent. Worked out with like I worked out with the Arizona Cardinals, New York Giants. Uh, Green Bay Packers, Chargers, Raiders, and so I ended up signing with the Chargers because it was close to home. And I had, a, and I had a, my son was about, he was probably around like three years older at the time, and so I wanted to be close. I wanted to be close to him. And but then during camp, yeah, I got injured and I got released. You know, I didn't think I was get released, but you know how that goes. And, yeah. And so we one hit away, one injury away, and then I got signed with signed with Oakland. But at the time. Uh, well, people don't realize that I was actually still running professional track and playing oh, professional wow. football. Wow. I was doing both. And so I decided, I said, hey, I'm just going to go back and run, and then I'll just come back to the NFL. And then I was going to go work out for the Cowboys in 2007, but then they said I was suffering from paralysis on my right side. Oh, wow. Because I got hit. I got hit so much. And wow. so, so yes, yeah, so I got, so I mean, I can go so much in depth about that, but uh, for the most part, yeah, there's a whole other story within that. So, yeah, that's basically that's the story as far as, like, uh, my, my football career. But, I mean, I've been playing football ever since I was um, gay high and, and some top, my top border days. And back in Riverside, California, we had an organization that was called Riverside Junior Tackle Football League. So, yeah. That is awesome. So, my next question is going to be, and I know this is going to sound weird, and, and, I've, and I've, I've never been around world-class um, track athletes, but I have been around some – so you know, college, and when y'all are running at that speed, it almost looks like y'all are floating. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, what does it feel like, honestly, to be able to run that fast? I mean, can it's, you describe it? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you said it best. It's like it's like you're floating on air. Everything that just moves, everything is so synchronized. I mean, it's flowing. It's everything. Your, your legs, your arms. I mean, your shoulders, your head. I mean, everything is like just in complete relaxed state. And I honestly feel like it's like I'm just like your, your stride is opening up, so you're covering all this ground like a cheetah, and and it's like you're hitting this maximum speed uh, for you know, for a short period of time. But it's just that it's that that rush. I mean, it's like it's almost like I don't know if you've been like if you've been in the Maserati or you know any fast car, Lamborghini. I mean, and you step on that accelerator and you just you just take off. I mean, it, it feels like that, but it's just but it's just effortless. And, uh, and and it, it just and that's what I love about that's what I always loved about just sprinting is that once you understand how to run and the mechanics are proper and you're like you learn how to relax 
It just you can go. I mean, you can go from you know running. Uh, you know, you can run. You could be running up to like twenty eight, twenty five, twenty mile miles per hour top speed. That is amazing. I mean, it is. And you're talking about the mechanics and learning how yeah. to run. You know, it's not just running, right. getting out there and running fast. Uh, I mean, you've got to have the form because, I mean, all these guys, they're just looking like they're just running in a straight line. You know, their heads aren't bouncing. They're just like just like a blur. Yeah, well, my event was a, my, my event was a foreign leader, so I, went, I, mean, I, wasn't, I ran some 100 meters uh, here and there, but I'm like, coach, if I decided he wanted to get some more, get some speed work in, but for the most part, I mean, I'm going around that oval, and and it's just like you're, it's, there's this. I mean, you're breaking, you're breaking that 400 up in segments, and I mean, you think about it, you put it in perspective, is that you're running over four football fields, yeah. uh, you're mm-hmm. sprinting over, you're sprinting, sprinting over yes, four, four football fields, and uh, and it's like at 300 meters, uh, that body is just it gets it's tapped, and it's like that monkey jumps on the back end, and you have to rely on your form, you have to rely on your relaxation and, and but people they always look at the aftermath is that when you run the fast times and when you're pulling them getting that gold medal and you become that fast I became the fastest man in the world but they don't look at the just the backstory of it yeah. as far as like the, the the fall program and the base training and, and running in the rain and the, the you know training heat and running four hundred repeats on the hill and doing five hundred repeats in the weight training and uh, just in and out of the hospital and then, uh, just you know, you're, you're putting your muscle in. It would mean I, I I have asthma. I've had it my whole life. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. that's even more impressive. I was going to wow. bring that up later. Yeah, yeah. So it only, it only took my life twice, and um, I have a team of doctors uh, back in California. Doctor Myash has been uh, treating me for over over twenty years, and and so it's just it's just, it's just control. But but once everything comes together, it's like you just put all the ingredients in, like you're baking that cake, and you become that complete athlete. Back with more of our Tailgate Talk conversation after this. From day one, First National Bank has been built on a strong foundation of community first. First to lend a helping hand. First to help with community events and fundraisers. First to support local students, athletic programs, and civic organizations. First to support events like United Way, Relay for Life, and many more charitable events. And most importantly, working for our great community. Without you, there'd be no First National Bank. Making communities great together, that's what we strive for. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. Daily and Son Car Care is Ardmore's only one-stop auto repair and tire shop. Whether it's major mechanic or brake work or routine maintenance like an oil change or lube job, Daily and Son Car Care has been satisfying customers all over with their fast and friendly service. They're also your headquarters for quality Cooper tires. Stop by and see Wayne, Nikki, or Dale at 25600 Main Street in Ardmore, Tennessee, or call them at 931-427-4651. They're on Facebook, too. Daily and Son Car Care, open Monday through Friday, 730 till 5, and Saturday, 730 till noon. Limestone Drug, located on the square in downtown Athens, is your local health park pharmacy. As your local health park pharmacy, Limestone Drug is locally owned and has a personal commitment to the community. Limestone Drug honors prescription drug plans, including Medicare. They accept flex spending cards and fill prescriptions in minutes, not hours. Limestone Drug knows there's nothing more important than your family's well-being. So shop Limestone Drug at 200 West Market Street in Athens, your local health park pharmacy. Limestone Drug, caring for you and about you. 
Your roof is the first line of defense for your home. Do you have water stains on your ceiling, paint peeling off your walls, shingles missing? It's probably time for you to get your free roof inspection. Locally owned and operated, licensed and insured, Yellowhammer Roofing is the Yellowhammer State Hometown Team. Yellowhammer Roofing, let our family protect what's most important to you, your family. 256-232-1933 or online at yellowhammerroofing.com. When you're looking for something special for your next event, why not bring in the most amazingly fine flavored shaved ice this side of the islands, Kona Ice of Decatur in Athens. Whether it's a school or major sporting event, a picnic or a festival, Kona Ice brings the fun and laughter from their steel drum music to their signature flavor wave where guests can flavor their own shaved ice. No event is too big or too small. Kona Ice makes fundraising easy too. Call Kona Ice today and tell them what you have in mind. 256-566-5298 or look for them on your favorite social media platform, Kona Ice of Decatur in Athens, 256-566-5298. Keep up with Athens and Limestone County sports with a Play Action Sports Report. Look for it every Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform, the Play Action Sports Report. Scores, interviews, highlights, and more from school, youth, and amateur sports in Athens and Limestone County. The Play Action Sports Report every Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform or online at pasnetwork.net. We continue with our conversation on the best of tailgate talk on 1080 WKAC. Yeah. So I was, you brought up the asthma. I was going to bring it up later. So did you ever have, um, during any meets, any asthma attacks? And, and did it ever knock you out of any meets? Yeah, I was uh, particularly, I mean, I, I was actually in Osaka, Japan. And I, I caught it. I, when, I, when I catch a cold or I catch a flu, it's like two or three times worse than, than sure. someone that it's just, I mean, they don't have that asthma. And, and I remember I was telling my agent, I said, you know, I, I, usually if I'm, if I'm sick, I make a go at it. I mean, I don't back down. But I was so my, I was so tired, and I, and I felt so windy just in my warm-up. And I was telling my agent, I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to go today. And, and she was saying, you sure are tired of And I said, yeah, I know, it's kind of tight. She said, well, hey, get in the race and see how it goes. And I was like, hey, I'll, get, I'll, I'll do that. But uh, when I got in the race, like I started breathing heavily, and I just like I felt like my wind just started, my wind just kind of started to diminish, and and I got really tired. And I thought I was gonna black out, but wow. and I hit the two, I remember I got the two hundred meters, and I was like, I better stop because I think I'm gonna pass out. And I said, screw it, I was I'm gonna keep going, and I finished the race, and I think I got four in the And literally, I just, I mean, I was pretty much my breathing, my my air capacity was almost gone. Like Amazing. literally, it was just Amazing. almost Crazy. gone. My son has asthma, and he ran cross country in high school. That's <laughs> impressive. That's, that's extremely impressive. <laughs> so, I mean, he would run with his inhaler, you know, in oh, case wow. he wow. in case he had to, you know, take Man. a whiff along the way. And wow. uh, you know, yeah. there were there were times when he did, but uh, so well, yeah, it's, it, it, it's tough. It's like with asthma. I mean, it's a lot of it is just you make sure you control it, but also it's mental. And one thing that my mother and my grandmother made sure. I look back on my journey 
I think about like I thank God that that it was like I could have checked out so many times from just having an asthma attack, but I, I kept bouncing back. I kept bouncing back, and it just you know it just wasn't my time. Yeah. Well, Tyree, before we get into talking about your book, which we want you to promote very well for us, but tell us the most memorable race, the biggest victory that you've got. Who, who you, you guys have rivals? Uh, who, who's maybe one of the most satisfying wins you've you've got in your in your racing career? Well, I think my first I, when I went to Camino Valley back in nineteen ninety seven, and Blackman Hill was the coach at the time. And when he when I when he approached me, he was recruiting me all through high school. And he said, "Hey, you're a great football player, but he said you could be a great, be even greater track and field athlete. You could be the best 400 meter runner on the planet, on planet, planet Earth." And I kind of laughed at him, but I said, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna give this guy a try." And so within like seven months, he like literally turned me into one of the best quarter milers in the world. And so he said, "The the only other, the, the quarter miler that was better than." Than everybody on, on the planet, and they dominated the 1996 Olympics was Michael Johnson in the 400 yeah, meters, yeah. and he had broken world record of the 200, well, um, with the gold medal to the 400 and the 4 by 4 So he said, he, he said, your first race, you're going to beat him. So in Paris, France, 1997, I beat Michael Johnson, and it was I remember it was like around 40 something degrees, pouring rain, and my toes froze up, and my spikes, and I was just like, Man, this is crazy. <laughs> Man. I came out of the second. I came out of the second being and. It might tighten up, and I kept going, and, and it was just like, and I and I got that W. But for me, it was it was that feeling of it's like kind of uh, uh, David and Goliath, like it's taking out Goliath. And and uh, but me and Michael has he had so many memorable races throughout that year and throughout my career. And I mean, I'm always grateful for him, and because uh, he's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's doing what he's done, and, and it was just like that Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were just constantly just going at it. That's great. Well, tell you, go ahead, Tim. Well, you mentioned your journey uh, a while ago, and your your present could be a lot different uh, had you taken a different route. Yeah, uh, growing up. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, I, I think like you know, a lot of times when you come into the when you come into the world, you know what cards you're going to get dealt, and you know who's going to be your mom, who's going to be your dad, and in the kind of environment you're going to be in, and my environment was very tough because my mother, I mean, my mother, and my grandmother raised me. I met my father when I was like 20 years old. He was in one of the games, and then he just passed away. So I really didn't get to know him, and he wasn't a part of my life at all. And and I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful to God because I had surrogate coaches and and, and two moms, the surrogate like football, my football coaches, like my surrogate father, the two moms, my surrogate mothers, and so everybody came together and really. Uh, nurses me and guided me along with my mom and my grandmother to, to build me up to uh, put me in a position to where I was going to be successful but so many of my friends growing up they, they uh, so many of my friends passed away I mean I had uh, passed away like the, the last couple months and and so it's just when I, when I look back I'm just I'm like man I could have easily been one of those you know, one of my, my so called well, you know my buddies or homeboys whatever back in the day because there was a time that I got involved in the gang scene because I was just very naive, and I was looking for that father figure, and and I wanted to, I wanted to accept it, and and but when they started dropping like flies, and I was just like, I said, I can't do this anymore, and then I think athletics really helped me a lot to really prevail and to to progress and to to reach my full potential in life, and and so yes, I could have I could have went another direction, and and I could have just 
been engulfed in my environment and you know, all the negativity and the rage and the disappointment uh, and frustration, but I decided to not do that. I made the choice that I wanted to be able to get my life right and I want to be better and I want to be able to help, I want to be able to help people when I get that when I when I make it. And so uh, I'm just grateful. I'm just I'm grateful because it could have went it could have went either way. You're 100 percent right. Very quickly. That's, I could have been dead. I could have been in prison. Yeah. I could have been on the streets. I'm reading a little article here uh, written about you and talking about you not being done with the world of sports. Um, you you established Killeroy to educate young people on the dangers of such drugs. Are, are you still involved with that, or am I reading the correct article? Or yeah, kill, yeah, heck, yeah. I, I started Killeroy years ago, and when I lost when I lost four gold medals in my world record, because two of my teammates were doping. Uh, yeah, Jerome and Antonio Pettigrew and. And uh, Antonio Pettigrew committed suicide, and, oh, wow. and so at the time, so at the time, I'm thinking like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, this is a bad situation. They're taking my medals. They're they're taking my world record, and so me, my my the type of person I am, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna turn this bad situation into something great. And so I established Killeroy, and and I, and I went out to educate athletes about the form athlete drugs and making sure they're uh, training on a clean platform. But I since got rid of Killeroy, kind of, and so I'm kind of rebranding it because I wanted to, I wanted be able to broaden my message with just drugs in general because back in 2002 I was in law enforcement I worked for the probation department working with the youth and so there's so many drugs that kids deal with on a daily basis besides the steroids and so I want to be able to talk more about that alright tell us how we can get your autobiography bud yeah so my autobiography is so we're finished I mean, the, I've been working with kids chapters coming up so hopefully everything goes right and we're looking to finish that at the end of this year in a couple of months, and then uh, it should be in YouTube for July. And and uh, and I just I really encourage everybody to get it because I think it's going to be a great book. It really it's going to be able to encourage. It's going to be able to mold, uh, uh, encourage and motivate everybody from like all walks of life. It doesn't really matter where you come from if you're if you've been brought up in uh, like in a disadvantaged area. If you've been it's like you come from a very well off family. You're going to tell your your race, uh, your religion. Doesn't really matter because everybody needs encouragement, everybody needs motivation, and that's what it's going to give. And that's what it's going to give everybody. It's going to show people how I went through so many things in my life and I overcame those things. And anybody can do the same thing if they just keep taking their steps forward. That's great. We'll have to get you back on. Oh, yeah. yeah. The when, the, when the book comes out, we definitely need to get you back on. And Todd says that challenge still stands. He <laughs> still thinks he can smoke you on that 40-yard Don't night. come to Athens, Alabama, brother. <laughs> don't come. You don't, you don't want to get embarrassed. <laughs> hey, hey wow. what I'm going to do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do for you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do my three-piece suit, okay? My nice dress suit, all right? Don't rub it <laughs> in, man. I mean, geez. <laughs> oh, well. And I give you, I'll be a little, I'll be, I'll be a little bit, but I, I'm gonna get a little bit of advantage. <laughs> Man, if you gave me 30 yards, it wouldn't be enough. So, but appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, Tyree, awesome. definitely, uh-huh. definitely come back when you yeah. get your book out, bud. We want to talk about it, promote it, and uh, and best wishes and best of luck to you, bud. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming thank on you. the show. Uh, thank you, guys, bud. I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys both. Great, yeah, man, great interview. Thanks. Take care. Bye, ladies and gentlemen. That was Tyree Washington, formerly fastest man on in the, the world. Play, in Can the you world. imagine God, having that dog, title, man? I know, right? That's awesome. I mean, I don't have a title of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're Todd the I'm bot, get, well, yeah. That's it. Okay. <laughs> it's time to take a quick break before we fall out laughing here. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Applebee's Tailgate Talk. We'll be right back. 
Ardmore Telephone Company has been operating right here in your community since the 1950s. Over the years, we've brought you advanced communication services such as telephone, high-speed internet, and security systems. And going forward, we'll be right here ready to provide you with innovative services and the high level of customer service you've come to expect. At Ardmore Telephone, our proof is the test of time, running decades deep. We're Ardmore Telephone, and we are here to stay. For more details, call 1-800-830-9946 or visit ardmore.net. Real estate, real easy. That's the motto at Innovative Realty Solutions, and providing the highest quality real estate services is their mission. With sound real estate advice, the latest information, and a skilled analysis of the real estate market, Innovative Realty Solutions offers a better home buying and selling experience with a fair, ethical, and, yes, innovative process. Innovative Realty Solutions. Visit them on Facebook, online at InnovativeRealtySolutions.com, at 100 North Clinton Street in Athens, or call 230-5950. Innovative Realty Solutions. Real estate, real easy. When things go wrong, State Farm is here to help life go right. And Agent Michael Howell is the one who can help get things back on track. See Michael for your auto, home, life, health, property, and business insurance and be ready for those unexpected twists that life throws at you. Ask about banking and annuities, too. Call State Farm Agent Michael Howell at 232-5400. Visit him online at michaelhowell.net or go see him at 903 South Clinton Street in Athens. State Farm Agent Michael Howell. There when things go wrong here to help life go right now on a platform near you the only year-round weekly podcast covering the huntsville havoc the reekin havoc podcast news interviews and more dropping every thursday we'll just reek of the huntsville havoc check us out on facebook twitter and instagram and listen follow and subscribe on your favorite platform via the pas plus app and online at reekinhavoc.com you're listening to the best of Tailgate Talk on 1080 WKAC. Welcome back to Applebee's Tailgate Talk on WKAC, the Big 1080. Now, now we've got an unusual opportunity here for everybody who's out there listening. Um, we've got Coach Conley Duncan live in the, in studio, so you can call us if you have a question for Coach uh, Duncan. Uh, whether it may be an experience with Bear Bryant or something Coach Dye said to you one day when, when you had, when he was raving praises, he well, put praises might, you on might you. Have to censor the Coach Dye <laughs> comments, especially when it, when he was dealing with me at that time. That's area code two five six eight one two one eight four eight, or area code two five six eight one two one TGT. Coach Duncan, welcome to the Applebee's Tailgate Talk. It's, it's an honor to have you. Well, I appreciate it. I, I can't tell you how happy I am to be here. I got my wife's to-do list this morning from changing out all the lights outside and uh, cleaning out the gutters before it rains and going to the mall. I can stay with you guys for several hours if you want <laughs> me to. You're welcome to stay. We're, we here, to, we're here to 12 o'clock. <laughs> 12 o'clock, Coach. All right. That's great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Now, uh. I originally met you back in 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. when you were doing the Nike Spark training, S-P-A-R-Q, for those who don't know. Correct. And uh, and this is a nationwide points collection for how high they jump, how fast they run. Uh, can you explain explain that a little? Yeah, Nike, Nike sees the opportunity to uh, really captivate early on when – a lot of outside independent training was going on for speed and agility, and of course that fit real well within their marketing scheme of the shoes and the gear and things of that nature. And 
you know, it's a program that they put together with a lot of good sponsors and good athletes to really hone in on a combine type of evaluation. And so they've done thousands and thousands and thousands of tests across the country in all sports. So it allows us to really have a kind of a quantitative norm as to where you fit in among all your other peers. Your 16-year-old, you know, running back can be compared to a lot of other running backs across the country. And it's a spinoff of the NFL Combine. I worked the NFL Combine for about 23 years Wow. And it's the same concept here of trying to have some objectivity regarding numbers, you know, uh, vertical jump, uh, five ten five shuttle run, forty yard sprint, uh, things of that nature here that pertains to individual sports, basketball, you know, soccer, football, baseball, things of that nature. So uh, they created that Spark program, and of course, it's uh, it's done quite well, and. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to uh, be a part of Nike Spark. Now, are you still over at Point Mallard? I am. I am. I do a lot of uh, – most of my training is out at Point Mallard Indicator. Uh, usually sometimes during the summer and sometimes during the, the regular year, I'll do a team team training program. I've, uh, I've done a lot of Oak Park soccer programs where I do the conditioning and speed and agility for them early on. But, so I'll, I'll do it during the, during the school year, but mostly uh, – it's all individuals from multiple schools, so I'm really not locked into one particular school. When, with Cybex, we've tested uh, from the Reggie Bushes to the uh, Deion Sanders, and you know what we're doing with the Cybex machine back then was doing some objective testing on muscular strength and looking at balances and imbalances, which can deal with uh, you know a, a better opportunity to stay healthy or. Are you coming back from a knee surgery in here? Where are you right now? Am I going to invest uh, millions of dollars in the first round if you're, you know, 30% deficit or 70% deficit right. from a knee injury? So it just gives them some uh, a piece of the overall puzzle in terms of how they make their evaluation. You just would not believe the extent of the evaluation that they do at the NFL Combine from not only just the drills itself and the times and things of that nature, but, I mean, they know when you – you know, had your toenail cut off in the seventh grade. They have information on that. And wow. It's kind of odd because they put them in there, uh, and they're down in their shorts, and they stand on this big table, and all these doctors are around them with all these x-rays and reports, and they look through just about every joint and muscle in your body and every orifice, and, you know, they uh, <laughs> they do a pretty thorough examination. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little intimidating. Maybe I don't want to, but... Uh, right. You know that million dollar contract there. You can yeah. <laughs> you can check out my elbow if you want to. We're gonna. I want to go back a little bit, Conley. We'll go right. back to your <clears throat> where you played high school and who recruited you to University of Alabama and how was it like playing for Coach Bryant? Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. I played at Hartsell High School back then. It was Morgan County High School. We were a three A school out of a uh, four divisions, and uh, we played the Huntsville schools and Florence schools and. You know, Athens and Decatur and Coleman was always our big rivalry, and um, had pretty good success. Had some some good players and some good teams. Very tough competition. Uh, Jack Rutledge was my uh, uh, recruiting uh, guy from the University of Alabama. And does a thorough job. Realizing that my mom was from New Orleans, so he would yes. take us always out to the Shangri-La restaurant in Decatur, which specialized in oyster stew and mm-hmm. things of that nature. And so. You know, he he did his homework well, and we'd get red beans and rice uh, shipped to us quite often. And uh, so it was all the little things back then that you could do. They knew my 
they knew my pastor, they knew my high school coaches, obviously, but they knew, you know, my counselors and everything else like that because of uh, the amount of recruiting time and the information that they could afford to to do back then where they can't do it now with the NCAA rules. You can only talk to them so many times and you only text so many letters and, you know, all this stuff. So uh, recruiting has changed immensely a lot, but, uh, you know, that was a place for me and, um, you know, I'm glad I signed with Alabama and it turned out to be a, a, a good successful program for me to play in and got a good education as well. You talked about when you went down there, uh, you were behind, uh, you're debating whether because you play fullback and linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, uh, t- t- for for those who wouldn't hear listening to the conversation, tell us your reasoning for remaining at linebacker. Well, you know, everybody's out there. You know, you're you're all everything here from from Alabama's perspective, and and um, you know they put me behind a guy named Woodrow Lowe on the depth <laughs> chart the first day. And I said, I'm sorry, you know, who who is? I've never heard of Woodrow Lowe. Well, he, he, <laughs> I'd say that tongue in cheek. Yeah, I know, I know, he's in my era, but I really and I've seen a lot of great linebackers come through Alabama, but he may be the very best linebacker I've ever seen at Alabama. Wasn't a really big guy about my size, a little over six foot and about two fifteen, two twenty, but he could play and. Uh, so we figured out – I figured out real quick who he was. And, you know, he meet, beat a guy named Jim Croft, which was an all-conference offensive guard on a three-on-three drill for like four straight times. Dude Hennessy had that hat turned around, the offensive line coach, and screaming and hollering and uh, just a phenomenal athlete. So, uh, so well, maybe I need to go back to fullback here. <laughs> you know, and I looked over there, and there was a guy named Johnny Davis from yes. Montgomery. and. uh so, well, they're only playing one fullback and they're playing three linebackers. I better stick it out. So, you know, I survived two years of learning and getting beat up pretty good and uh, finally figured it out in the last couple of years. I had pretty good playing time. What, what do you think, uh, Conley, about uh, y'all had great runs when you were at Alabama. But what do you think about this run Coach Saban is being on since he's been down there? Well, it's phenomenal what they've done, uh, considering you know we signed 40 kids every year so we had you know we had second stringers that could have made just about anywhere else you know uh, all all sec conference type players so we had a lot of depth back then but uh, it's just a phenomenal thing that coach saban has put together here in these last seven or eight years you know at the university of alabama but as you mentioned here that architect of really what alabama is today football program wise that architect was created some 40, 45 years ago with Coach Bryant. That's right. Uh, the, the level of detail in the organizations and the process, we didn't use the process term back then, but it's the same thing. And, you know, I know my first day of practice, we were so excited, but the only thing we did was learn how to get in and out of the huddle the right way, <laughs> everybody the right way. And so it was that level of detail that uh, Coach Bryant uh, brought to Alabama and his ability to really not just make good football players, but make good men and good husbands, and um, you know we're all grateful for that. But uh, that that program, that foundation, has been there for about 40, 45 years now. We've had some kinks in the road where right. you know we had some coaches that couldn't execute that. So you have yeah. to be a very special guy, uh, like a coach Brian, and obviously a, a Nick Saban is in that same mold, and he's taking it up into the you know, the new echelon now, the two thousand. 10 and, and beyond where it was in the 1970s. But uh, it's a very similar in style and coaching philosophy. And he was hard-nosed and tough, but he put his arm around you and love on you just as well. And, you know, Coach Bryant tell you to run through that wall. And 
We might think the old man's pretty crazy, but we'd never say that. We'd just line up and start heading to that wall, I guess, you know. So, uh, you know, it's a different breed of cat now, uh, athlete-wise. And um, uh, But the foundation and the architect was, was in place a long time ago, and I'm sure so. Coach Saban has learned from a lot of what Coach Bryant brought to the program and to college football. And, you know, he's been under uh, Belichick and several other good ones. So uh, just done a remarkable job and have won a significant amount of championships. And, you know, we were fortunate. We had one SEC. We had one national championship in 73. But we also still have the record today of five straight SEC championships. Yeah. That goes through 71 through 75. And, uh, you know, we're still proud of that. And I was there for four of them. I didn't get redshirted, so I went right through. But, you know, I've got four SEC championships and one national championship and a lot of good memories. A lot of good memories. Back with more of our Tailgate Talk conversation after this. From day one, First National Bank has been built on a strong foundation of community first. First to lend a helping hand. First to help with community events and fundraisers. First to support local students, athletic programs, and civic organizations. First to support events like United Way, Relay for Life, and many more charitable events. And most importantly, working for our great community. Without you, there'd be no First National Bank. Making communities great together, that's what we strive for. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Daily and Son Car Care is Ardmore's only one-stop auto repair and tire shop. Whether it's major mechanic or brake work or routine maintenance like an oil change or lube job, Daily and Son Car Care has been satisfying customers all over with their fast and friendly service. They're also your headquarters for quality Cooper tires. Stop by and see Wayne, Nikki, or Dale at 25600 Main Street in Ardmore, Tennessee, or call them at 931-427-4651. They're on Facebook, too. Daily and Son Car Care, open Monday through Friday, 730 till 5, and Saturday, 730 till noon. P4 Physical Therapy is a new outpatient provider offering community-based care with a unique partnership model that allows them to consistently deliver world-class outpatient care, emphasizing personalized hands-on treatment. Whether it's orthopedic, physical, geriatric, or manual therapy, sports or neuro rehab, telehealth, or most any type of muscle or joint pain, P4 Physical Therapy promises to treat you with integrity, compassion, faithfulness, and selflessness. Locations in Athens, Huntsville, and Winfield, Alabama, as well as Fayetteville and Knoxville, Tennessee. Look for them on Facebook or online at P4PhysicalTherapy.com. Your roof is the first line of defense for your home. Do you have water stains on your ceiling, paint peeling off your walls, shingles missing? It's probably time for you to get your free roof inspection. Locally owned and operated, licensed and insured, Yellowhammer Roofing is the Yellowhammer State Hometown Team. Yellowhammer Roofing, let our family protect what's most important to you, your family. 256-232-1933 or online at yellowhammerroofing.com. The world is changing. The Tailgate Talk app has changed. It's got a new name and a new look. It's now known as PAS Plus, and it's your home for Applebee's Tailgate Talk, along with James Clement Sports and Calhoun Basketball. Change never heard, huh? Look for the download links at pasnetwork.net or tailgatetalk.net. PAS Plus, play action sports, plus a little extra. PAS Plus, from Play Action Sports. We Welcome continue back with to our best conversation of tailgate on talk the best on tailgate WKAC. I remember back in the day, I went and saw Alabama beat 
uh, California, sixty-six to nothing. Oh yeah, they I was to... there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, of course, that was in the wishbone days. But still, you know, it was before the hurry up. I beat somebody else seventy-seven to six. You know, and so <laughs> oh, I remember those games. Yes. Well, you take that California game. Their starting quarterback was Steve Barkowski, that went yes. on to play the Atlanta Falcons, and. Their backup was Vince Ferragamo, which yeah. eventually transferred to Nebraska and did great. And they had a, a running back, Wesley Walker, that went on mm-hmm. to be, you know, an a, a all-pro all wide receiver. And they had uh, uh, a couple of great running backs in there. And we did beat them 66 to nothing. And uh, you see today's offense is, I mean, we, re- we had to defense a lot of the spread way back there in the 70s. It wasn't called a spread. Okay. But when you got somebody down 35 nothing at halftime, it forces them to open up their offense and put wideouts, three wideouts over there and two wideouts right there. So, uh, you know, we we had to face that uh, a lot at Alabama by my term down there. But uh, uh, offenses have certainly improved as well as defenses. The nice statistic you'd see is Alabama is like, the, I think, the number one team in scoring defense this year, and they're mm-hmm. giving up like 14.6 points, which is remarkable in today's. Well, we led the nation in, in scoring defense, and we had like 6.3 points. So you see the the changes. You don't think that that's only eight points difference, but it's really the evolve of the offense and the spread. And mm-hmm. one big quarterback like the kid from uh, Louisville can make the whole program now. And you have to defend <clears throat> all the field uh, nowadays where we didn't have to back then. you got guys in motion. you got five receivers on one side. They go in motion. Didn't have a lot of that. Our playbook defensively was probably about 40 or 50 pages. Nowadays, it's like 300 pages. So uh, it, it's just evolved as time has, and it's got a lot more sophisticated. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's still a good product. But, you know, I, I love those 10 nothing Alabama win over LSU games. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it still counts, yeah. yeah. I'm an old and, school guy, but I like games like that. And you talk about the 300 pages of of, of – of a playbook, you know, that, that just kind of flies in the face of that dumb jock, you know, because if you got to learn 300 pages yep. of, of plays, you know, you, you ain't dumb. No, no, you have to be pretty intelligent nowadays, and not that you didn't have to back then, yeah. but uh, it's even more because everything is, is spur of the moment. I mean, you have one defensive called, and then all of a sudden they come out with two wideouts to the right and two wideouts to the left. They're changing that defense. This is all occurring within about a 25-second period. Guy goes in motion, you change your defense. At the same time, defensive fronts, your coverages are changing. You're making the calls to do that spontaneously. Offensive guys are making their calls in terms of changing of blocking schemes here because we're going to blitz the outside linebacker in here. They pick that up, so they change it. All that is occurring within that 25-second period, so – you know, when you get down to it, you know, you're prepared, but it's really about the execution. And, um, you know, it takes it takes a kid a while to uh, play at a major program like Alabama um, just simply because of the learning curve. Uh, the linebacker today. Uh, uh, Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster was a great athlete, but he couldn't play at all the first year exactly. or two. Yes. Um, I mean, he, he was all over the place and made a lot of missed assignments and miss, miss, miss plays and it was just due to the learning curve, and and you work with him, work with him, work with him, and you see what he's turned into right now. So, um, it's it's pretty extensive now. I, I was going. Uh, we got you here, 
And yeah, we always do. hear yeah. and we always hear these stories, you know, players you know play with Coach Bryant. Well, I got a good Coach Bryant story, or maybe you're from your position coach. We yeah. got it. If you can give us a good Coach Bryant story, I'm sure you were never in trouble down there at all, Kylie. Four years, you were, Mister. You never got called to the. Were you ever on the couch? Well, uh, the famous couch. Well, yeah, I probably can't get into a whole lot of details <laughs> about it right now, but you know, I certainly served my time, and um, you know. Thank God that they didn't have cell phones in everybody's pocket nowadays. <laughs> Back then. Exactly. But, but uh, yeah, it, it, there's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, stories that that we have. And, uh, you know, I've got called, me and my dad got called one summer here going into my senior year, which I was predicted as a starter. And, you know, I'd been misbehaving to some degree. And he called me and my dad, and I thought we were going to sit down there, and he was going to start bragging on me and, you know, uh, giving me something extra to do because I was doing so good. And we sat down in that, that couch of his. And of course, everybody's heard that yeah. couch. You sink down in there, and you just look like a little puppy dog down in there with Coach <laughs> Brian. Well, it wasn't good news. It was bad news. And, um, you know, I got suspended for the first uh, part of the season, and um, they uh, I didn't miss a game, but – uh, during practice in here, they sent me down there and put me a orange jersey on. And oh wow! I held dummies uh, for the freshman player in here. I was a season uh, senior, and um, you know I had to work my way back in there and do some extra conditioning and so forth. So uh, he was tough, but he gave us a fair opportunity, and uh, you know we made some mistakes. But um, you know he 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 taught us a lot of life life lessons in here, and you know I I wish I guess one regret that I have is that. He always had his door open, and so we walking upstairs, and we'd see his door open, and he's in that office. Well, we'd go back down around and go all the way around to the back, <laughs> you know, and go up the back steps because we didn't want. It was afraid he's going to call us into his office, and you know, I was, I was immature and a lot, like a lot of us were, and I wish we had taken a little bit more time and gone in there and sat down and talked with him. And um, you know, he used to come over him and Coach Donahue would come over on Wednesday nights. That's with our team meeting and. You know, he would go in and eat at Bryan Hall, and uh, we'd kind of sneak in there, and, you know, he wouldn't, sometimes he wouldn't even look at us. He'd just say, Duncan, and he'd just wave his fingers over there. That means you get your food, and you come over here and sit at my table, and, <laughs> you know, you listen. We're going to talk. And it, it was just, uh, how's, how's everybody doing, you know, certain things are going along with him and how you think things are, you know, with morale and, you know, a lot of different subjects, just kind of, getting the temperature and the gauge of uh, where our team is at that point in time. So, uh, you know, those were very memorable times. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was – it was quite good, quite good. Uh, awesome. You threw his name out there just now, and that's uh, Coach Donahue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was having lunch with his son, Pat, oh, about okay. two weeks ago down in Tuscaloosa. And uh, tell us a little bit. I want, I, want, I want to send this to Pat if he's not listening right now. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about Coach Donahue and your experience with him while you were at Alabama? Well, my first experience with him, of course, he you know, he was a tall, lanky guy and had kind of a little quirky uh, personality about him and so forth. Great assistant coach and defensive coordinator. Uh, but he was he probably had the longest arms that any white man I'd ever seen. <laughs> I mean, he just drug his knuckles down here. And we used to rib him all the time playing racquetball because he'd go down there and play racquetball. And we're all 18, 19-year-olds, and we're pretty good, and we think we're better than we are. And, 
you know, we'd, we'd hassle him a little bit, and he just invited us to come down there one time and play some racquetball with it. Well, that was a huge mistake. <laughs> oh, wow. He wore our butts out in, in about an hour's time. We were crashing in walls and having to go see Goose Tree in the training room and all that stuff. And Donahue hadn't even – he hadn't even broke a sweat. He's sitting in the middle of the racquetball court just hitting both sides here with those long arms, and we were just running everything. And so uh, – but immaculate detailed – coach um he had us very well prepared uh that was really i probably our big secret is that we we put together game plans i say we the coaches each had a game at that point in time they knew that going in they had a lot of time to prepare and you know we play against teams that i knew the first and second and third string guys i mm-hmm. i knew sometimes their girlfriend's name and what they were studying and no college. wonder you getting in trouble with coach <laughs> yeah. die i mean coach brian <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was just immaculate we knew everything you know we knew you know 80 percent of the time on first and 10 they were going to run this play and on third and three inside the 20 in the red zone they're going to run this i mean it was just an enormous amount of detailed information that we had in our game plan he was a big part of that uh, very tough disciplinarian, uh, very tough conditioning. Back then, we didn't get the water like they get today. You know, you take, you have one play, and then you go in there and get a big squirt of water. Back then, we had individual detailed breaks. And, you know, it was on our schedule, very detailed at 417, we're getting a water break. You know, and Coach Bryant would call the water break, and we'd go from 417 to 419. <laughs> and the trainers would have those little, you know, six-inch cups over there, and it was only filled halfway, so we'd get about three ounces of water. <laughs> oh, and so we'd take our headgear off for two minutes. And mo- you talking about sipping like a martini. You would just sip on that water, making it last long. <laughs> That's all you got with one cup? <laughs> oh, just one cup. Oh, Don't go goodness. try to get second cup now. Don't try to do that. <laughs> but Donahue would have his defensive lineman. He'd have their helmets off, but the defensive lineman would actually be running 20-yard sprints while they held their six-ounce cup or three-ounce <laughs> cup of water. Now, they weren't running very fast, but they were moving. Yeah. And and he would have them move 20 yards up and down the field while he still had that, that cup of water in his hand. So, uh, needless to say, we won a lot of second-half games and uh, a lot of fourth quarters. We owned them. Uh, we were in great shape and well-prepared and uh, – you know, wasn't a, uh, Coach Donahue wasn't a guy that you sit down there and you'd have a burger and a Coke with and really chit-chat about life and world mm-hmm. events and so forth. But, man, you talking about footballs and X's and O's, he knew his stuff better than anybody that I've ever been around. And um, he made us he made us championship caliber team uh, and took a lot of players that didn't have, you know, a lot of ability, had some ability, but he made us a lot better. And uh, that was kind of a tribute to him as well as most of the staff that Coach Bryant had is that we just played above our heads. You know, we're better than we thought we were, and they proved it, and, you know, it it worked out extremely well. Um, I know Coach Bryant, you know, had this uh, appearance as being just, you know, a rough, tough, gruff guy. Um, Now, Back in the, I don't know, mid to late 70s, and I may be kicking myself after I ask you this, um, I went down there, uh, I went to church with a, a guy that was a trainer down there, and, and so a few of us went down there with him to help him move back into his dorm and all that stuff. Well, we went into to the uh, to Memorial there, or, uh, well, I guess what's Coleman now. Yeah, but uh, we were just kind of walking around, and uh, we walked past this door, and it's open just a little bit and we look in there 
and there's Coach Bryant sitting behind his desk. Well, one guy was just a little bit in front of us, and as soon as he got by the doorway, he turns around to us and says, it's him. You know, like we had just passed the door of God or something, yeah. you know. And uh, But we just kept on walking. How approachable was Coach Bryant? Well, as a player, I would say he, he – we didn't want to approach him. He was he was available. I, you know, we talked just a little while ago about me and my dad having to go up there and thinking mm-hmm. we were getting. And well, actually, it was a disciplinary meeting, and yeah. you know, that's he, what reminded me of this story. Yeah, he, he <laughs> that meeting got cut cut uh, kind of a, as a pause because he took about two or three different phone calls during that. One of them was the vice president of the United States. The other was uh, John Wayne was calling him and somebody oh. else was calling him about, well, you know. I'll tell you, Pilgrim. You know, yeah, yeah. Coach Bryant's yeah, good you know, talking to you. You know, uh, but but overall, uh, you know, once you got your intimidation factor over with, you know, because he's such a larger than life type of, of mm-hmm. a man and, and coach, uh, you know, we were going to a concert one time in Coleman Coliseum and bunch of us guys had gotten in a little early and found our way up and uh coach bryant's office was unlocked so we we're sitting around in his office you know just putting our feet back up on the <laughs> table and uh you know just acting like foolishness you know uh-huh. and uh he walked in he walked in and uh uh you know it was just uh didn't fuss at us a whole lot, just kind of as a uh, normal, uh, you know, y'all here for the concert? <laughs> I said, we all said, yes, sir. <laughs> we, we are. He said, well, I think the concert's downstairs. Y'all better be going on down there. So, you know, he, he was rough when he had to be, and he, yeah. and he wasn't rough. Uh, and, uh, you know, his Wednesday night meetings were really, really good because we'd meet at Bryant Hall, and uh, we'd have just – good conversation here uh not just about game plans and things of that nature and uh he would come over and visit us sometimes unexpectedly we had a big game room we played ping pong and pool and all that stuff and he would come by and you know so he he was approachable mostly it was an intimidation by the other people here that just was scared to death to talk to him you know it's it's, now today it's really really scared to death to talk to Nick Saban because you ask a stupid question, he's going to tell you, you know. That's a, yeah. <laughs> you know, even though you might think it's a good question, you may not raise that hand one more time because Saban might say, well, what game were you watching, you know. Something uh, about running through something like a t- t- through a tin horn or something like that. Yeah, but but Coach Bryant was approachable. Uh, we just, you know, we, we're young, we intimidated, and uh, – but he would. Um, he met my mom and dad out in Hawaii one time. They were at, on a vacation in there, and they met together at at a uh, rental car place. And uh, my mom and dad never never forget that because it was just a good conversation and uh, very approachable. And you know, he was he was well known all over the world. And um, you know, he. He, he was a good man, good man. Before we, we're at the top of the yeah. hour here, so I know we're going to have to take a break. Hope you can yeah. hang around. Let's keep going. Yeah. But I want to ask you, you want to take the break now, Tim, and come back? You're the boss. Well, we got we got some other guests. Got some other guests to get yeah. on there. Okay, well, let's, let me get this wrapped yeah, up. Get, yeah, okay. We talked off air a little bit, and yeah. totally changing gears here. We, we talked a little bit about the Auburn team currently. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, Jarrett Stidham, the big five-star quarterback. Right. But tell me what you told me about uh, Sean White and – what do you think? What do you think maybe happened with him and even Cam Petway? What do you, your your appraisal of today's Auburn 
football team. Well, I think defensively here, they they can play with anybody. They're very strong on defensive side. Uh, you know, they probably don't have the depth that they would like right now, but but they're very very good defensively. Uh, Auburn's offensively is just still trying to find their identity, and I think. After a couple of games, they found the Petway kid and realized how strong he was running between the tackles. That gave him a whole new approach to their offense. And then, of course, you got to have the guy pulling the trigger. And Sean White, I think, just needs a lot more of experience and repetitions. I think he's capable of doing a lot of things well. Um, you got to surround him with good people. And I think, unfortunately, the, the injury that hurt him and as well as hurt, hurt Auburn overall because I think he was head and shoulders above – the other guys that were competing for that job. But I like Sean White. I, I think he is a tremendous athlete. I think he's smart. Uh, if he stays healthy and they continue to, to build around him, uh, you know, I, I look for him, you know, playing and playing well and starting and, and really putting Auburn back on the map uh, in terms of being competitive in the championship area, which they were to this year. Uh, but I think Sean, Sean White has a uh, – uh, a great future at Auburn, and I think Petway is a, a tremendous running back, and you combine him with the kid from Madison Academy. Uh, yep, carry uh, on. Yeah, I mean, he's a different type of runner, outside runner, inside runner with Petway, and, you know, they need to find him a few more few more wide receivers, and I think they finally got their offensive line together after a first game or two, and, uh, you know, I look I look for Auburn to, to beat Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. We're uh, hoping. Yeah, I, I, I do too, and uh, so – uh, we always pull for Auburn, you know. I, I don't uh, have come any. on, not all of us, Kylie. Well, yeah, not all of us. Not but, all. You know, of us. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling for Auburn. And of course, you know, I hate to say that we sent we sent Shug Jordan, which was a great Auburn coach. We should his last game against Alabama. That was a mistake for them because we sent them out as a loser on that game. But uh, you know, Shug Jordan was a great player, a great coach, and um, you know, we'll see how Malzahn goes, and um, you know, get his staff together and. There you go. Yeah, they're going to be good. They're Absolutely. Gonna be good. Thanks a lot, Coach Conley Duncan. Uh, Enjoy. Have a great. We're going to toss it off to our sponsors. You've been listening to Applebee's Tailgate talking WKAC, the Big 1080. We'll be back with more of our Tailgate Talk conversation after this. While others have come and gone, the Lion's Den Gym has been roaring as a workout and exercise fixture in Athens, growing from its humble basement beginnings in 1981 to their current 10,000 square foot location at 212 Commercial Drive in Athens. The Lion's Den offers 24-7 access to their ever-expanding equipment collection that includes treadmills and climbers, elliptical trainers, stationary bikes, loose weights and dumbbells, and over 45 different weight machines. Contact the Lion's Den Gym about a membership today at 256-652-2627. Visit them online at lionsdengym.com or on Facebook, The Lion's Den Gym, 256-652-2627. When you're looking for something special for your next event, why not bring in the most amazingly fine flavored shaved ice this side of the islands, Kona Ice of Decatur in Athens. Whether it's a school or major sporting event, a picnic or festival, Kona Ice brings the fun and laughter from their steel drum music to their signature flavor wave where guests can flavor their own shaved ice. No event is too big or too small. Kona Ice makes fundraising easy too. Call Kona Ice today and tell them what you have in mind. 256-566-5298 or look for them on your favorite social media platform. Kona Ice of Decatur in Athens. 256-566-5298. For screen printing, sign printing, banners, logo design, and more, look no further than that shirt printing place. Located at 709 North Jefferson Street in Athens, call 256-444-1827. 
That Shirt Printing Place. Visit them online at thatshirtprintingplacellc.com. Look for them on Facebook too. That Shirt Printing Place. 256-444-1927. That Shirt Printing Place. The Bama Zach Memorial Scholarship has been set up to honor the legacy of Bama Zach Green, a huge fan of the Crimson Tide along with Limestone County Sports. The scholarship will go each year to a male and female athlete from Limestone County. Checks should be made out to Bama Zach Memorial Scholarship and can be sent in care of Garth Garris, 13833 Pinnacle Drive, Athens, Alabama, 35613. Donations can also be made in person at First State Bank of the South at 1319 Highway 72 East in Athens. Thank you for showing your support for local athletes by giving to the Bamazak Memorial Scholarship. Check out the WKAC Sports page. Go to WKAC1080.com and click on the WKAC Sports icon. You can listen to the current sports stream as well as game archives, past coaches shows, and Applebee's Tailgate Talk on demand. If you're on your smartphone, you can stay automatically updated as new items are posted. The WKAC Sports page, another reason why your best source for Limestone County sports is WKAC1080.com and 1080 WKAC. You're listening to the best of tailgate talk on 1080 WKAC. Ladies and gentlemen on the hotline, welcome to Applebee's Tailgate Talk. Mr. Kevin McLeod, one of my favorite Auburn players back in the day. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you? My goodness, man. It's good talking to you. We're doing great here. Uh, forgive me. Forgive my cohorts here. I'm surrounded by a bunch of Bama fans. So, uh, uh, they, <laughs> <Roll>. That's right. <laughs> you liable to hear a dirty word like a roll tide or something come out. But <laughs> Okay. Talk a little bit back, back in the day. We've had uh, Willie Gaucher, one of your teammates, has actually been online with us here before last year. And, uh, man, I tell you, back in the 90s, uh, uh, you playing with uh, Damian Craig, and uh, those, were some, those were some pretty decent football teams. Yes, it was. Uh, some pretty fond memories. Um, some of those games, I just can't believe so much time has went by. But uh, definitely memories that um, that I'll cherish for a lifetime. Now, were you in the game with? Uh, it was a. Uh, it was the, the. I think it's the Army game. If I'm not mistaken, it was Fred Beasley was grabbed inappropriately by the, by an Army defensive linebacker. Or my is my memories wrong? Or is that correct? Do you remember that? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really remember that, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, uh, <laughs> I just I never mean, guys find all kind of ways to, to throw your game off, and yeah, and sometimes you know they'll use tactics such as that. So I mean, it, it wasn't just the army; um, other teams have done that in the past. So I, I wouldn't doubt it. You wouldn't doubt. I just remember Fred coming out of the pile, and he was always a you know. He, he was ready. To, he's the guy that goes back to the huddle and gets ready to right. come back again. But he come out swinging that. I said, "Man, what in the world happened?" And then he showed the slow motion replay, and I'm like, "Ah, that's what happened." So, but <laughs> <laughs> what what's some of your best memories from uh, from da- being down on the plains? And we'll talk about your professional uh, career in just a little bit. Okay. Oh man, just the fans. Um, of course, you know the games were great. Totally enjoyed it. But the most lasting memories I will have. Are the fans and the, and the passion that the uh, just the whole city of Auburn and the whole state of Alabama had about football? You know, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like it. Even when I moved on to the next level in the NFL, you know, it, it was never like college. You know, I mean, you had some some diehard you know professional football fans, but the experience that I had with the fans in college, 
is no comparison, man. It was just truly an amazing, you know, period. And, and that, for me, I think is the most memorable experience I had during my, my tenure at Auburn. That you, uh, from 92 to 96, is that correct, your playing time? Uh, 94 to 98. 94 to 98. Oh, okay. Okay, so you got to experience the uh, uh, Coach Tuberville a little bit. Uh, Actually, I I didn't. You didn't? Um, okay. I'm trying to – Yeah. my memory so, goes, buddy. I'm sorry. I mean, he came in in 99, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was already uh, with Tampa at the time, so. That's good. I remember you playing, and I, I likened your, your style of running to a, another former Auburn great, Tony Richardson. Uh, oh yeah, you two. Yeah, you two ran a lot alike. I remember. I remember seeing the the similarities. Yeah, we uh, we definitely um had some you know similar abilities. Uh, he's what can I say, man? Probably one of the all time greatest fullback that has ever you know played at Auburn. You know, guy played what seventeen years in the NFL. He did. Played a long time with uh, Kansas City yeah, Chiefs. To be compared to, to him is definitely an honor. So I appreciate that. Oh absolutely. Well tell us uh, talk a little bit you were drafted uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars, is that correct? That's correct. All right. Talk, talk a little bit about your pro career and, and then we'll get to your book here in just a just a little bit. Okay. Yeah so got drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars in uh nineteen ninety eight and uh <clears throat> you know for whatever reason man I you know, the, the NFL can be so finicky, you know, they'll draft you and, and sometimes you may not be the correct fit for their system. And I think I just fell into a situation where um, I just felt that Coughlin didn't really sort of buy into my abilities per se. And uh, the offense that they, that they ran was more of a, a tight end oriented type of offense, you know. And they they weren't four wides a lot, uh, two tight ends a lot, and you know, I don't know. It, it was just it was just a strange period. But to make a long story short, I was released uh, during training camp, and and uh, well after training camp, I'm sorry. And Tampa picked me up, and and I was on the practice squad for a while, then made the team the next year. Well, Kevin, I'm sitting here uh, looking at your uh, uh, your book, Lessons of the Game, and I'll read some of the uh, some of the reviews. Uh, wow, a very awesome book that every player needs to read. I wish someone wrote a book like this when I was playing. Good job, Kev. That's for Rabi Abdullah from Tampa Bay and uh, Willie Whitehead. Right. Kevin paints a very true to life, in depth picture of what a football player experienced from youth ball to the pros. And then we talked about him a little while ago, Fred Beasley. Pretty good book, Debo, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. Very accurate information. You should do well. Players old and young should read the book. Talk talk, talk a little bit about your book and your. Uh, oh, I'm, I forgot the word. Tell us your, your book and your inspirations. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, so the book. Um, you know, my my. Let me start off by saying this: my career was just strange. You know, I, I the ex, I didn't live up to the expectations. You know, my my dream was to play 15 years, and obviously that wasn't so. Um, when I got in the league, immediately I faced adversities, and you know, of course, I was released from the from the Jaguars. And Tampa picked me up 
And then I started to gain momentum when I was at Tampa, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, made the team the next year, and things were going great. You know, by the later part of the season, I start getting playing time. And so um, things were just really, really turning around and looking bright. And then the next year, I had a health situation. And uh, I was misdiagnosed with um, – with this 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 issue with my heart and uh the team sort of freaked out and and uh i basically was put on non non-injured reserve and went to some specialists and and found out that it wasn't you know that serious it was just a minor little deal that i was born with but i got cleared mm-hmm. but after that it was so hard for me to make it back in the league because teams Sorter was nervous about that that whole that whole situation, and so, you know, signed with this team. Released teams would not really um, take me me seriously because I think it, that whole like I said that whole issue with with the uh, the heart sort of was in the back of of a lot of uh, teams' minds. But to make a long story short, um, it took me two years after that to actually make a team. I made the, uh, the 53 with the Browns. And, um, and even after a while, you know, I ended up getting released with them. And it, it, it was just so strange. You know, it, it didn't matter how well. And I've had some training camps where I was just absolutely dominant. You know, I've never had – well, I take that back. When I was with Jacksonville, I had a, a okay training camp. But – all the training camps that I ever had in the NFL, I absolutely dominated and still got the short end of the stick. Yeah. So with all that said, all that experience of of not making the teams and going from this team to that team and going through all the, the adversities that I faced, I compiled it all in a unique manual. And and I just talk about a little bit of my personal um, uh, trials and tribulations that happened along with, with uh, things that I've seen other players experience and I sort of break a lot of things down from a psychological per- perspective as well as far as some of the ha- behaviors but it's a unique manual that I think younger aspiring players can really learn for learn from mm-hmm. you know I put some really valuable information in there and a lot of the pitfalls that they need to avoid, I, I talk about that, as well as the things that I think they need to prepare themselves for mentally and physically, I also put in the book. So it's an all-around very unique and interesting, you know, manual. And, you know, it took me about a year to write. And uh, like I said, I think the younger guys are going to really be able to benefit from it. When well, you're talking about your book uh, coming at it from a – psychological point of view i think you were a psychology major in college weren't you that's exactly i received my bachelor's in psychology it's amazing what we can learn if we we start looking looking at things brother he needs to analyze some of us mate (laughs) especially these three family fans we gotta we gotta analyze those cats kevin i mean you know football players were were unique were unique people and um that part of the book is really for the uh, the parents, you know, or or the the girlfriends or 
whoever that really doesn't understand the game. I I I go I dive deep into that area of it because you know as as football players you you have to create this this alter ego in a sense you know I mean on the field it's war some of the guys that I played against you would think they're the biggest jerks on the field but off the field some of these guys are the nicest guys you will ever meet but once they're on that field they're monsters and and that's the whole psychological part of it where you literally have to transform your mind and prepare yourself for battle in a sense you know and and some of these behaviors that some players experience on and off the field i sort of give my theories as to why you know some people you know have these behaviors or 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 you know why certain situations can come about from this whole um, mental conditioning, you know, for lack of a better word. Yep. And so that part of it, I, I thought, was very important that that people sort of understand, you know, the, the mental aspects of, of of how it is to be a ball player. Yeah. Bo Jackson's quote is one of my favorites. He said, "Football is easy if you're crazy as heck." So. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for your time today, sir. And we want to get every, encourage everybody to go to Amazon and find Kevin Kevin McLeod's book. Uh, actually, oh. actually, I would prefer if everyone went to the website. There you oh, go. There, there we you go. go. There's yeah. my mistake for yeah. today. That, give us a website, um, my friend. You can purchase the book directly from the website. It's www.lessonsofthegamefootball.com. And just go to buy the book. And, you know, you're able to purchase it directly from from my website. I would appreciate everybody could, you know, go that route rather than Amazon because Amazon, they are really just charging so much. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, all right, we'll do that. That's www.lessonsofthegamefootball.com by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. All righty. That was Kevin McLeod. We're going to toss it off to a break. You've been listening to Applebee's Tailgate Talking to KAC, the Big Ten Eight. Come see all your friends at Applebee's in Athens. 12 minutes guaranteed or it's free Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Seven items to choose from. Can't make it for lunch? Visit them for happy hour, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. or late night. Half-price appetizers with beverage purchase. Six appetizers to choose from. Call 233-4430 or order online at Applebee's.com and pick your meal up with car side to go. Applebee's Neighborhood Grill, Highway 72 in Athens, just off I-65. Eating good in the neighborhood. With all the technology around us today, it's hard to keep up. Goldsmith Technical Services specializes in residential and commercial computer and electronics repair, automation, IT services, and home theater systems and audiovisual services. Goldsmith Technical Services. Call or text 256-203-4226. Visit them on Facebook or online at goldsmithtechnical.com. Let them tailor a package that meets your needs. Goldsmith Technical Services. 256-203-4226. 
bring the man in motion across the line of scrimmage. They give it to him on the sweep play. He's outside, got a little bit of room. Now down the sideline, cuts it back. He's angling for the end zone, and he will score. Wow. Join us this football season for Limestone County Football, streamed right to your computer or mobile device on the Play Action Sports app. You can also hear it on your Amazon Echo by saying, Alexa, open Play Action Sports. Listen for the replay of select games Sunday afternoons on WKAC and download each game from the archives anytime you want. Limestone County Football from Play Action Sports and 1080 WKAC. You're listening to the best of Tailgate Talk on 1080 WKAC. We've got our special guest, Dr. Harold Shanitsky. He's a sports psychologist and... I guess, Doc, before I start trying to explain you, I'll go ahead and let everybody know you were the recipient of the 2015 Florida Psychological Association Outstanding Contributions to Psychology in the Public Interest recipient. I mean, and the list goes on. But <laughs> the one thing I'm noticing, buddy, we got Clearwater in St. Petersburg. Wow. Not bad. Not bad to be you, dude. It is a rough life down here. I'm originally from <laughs> Chicago. And I got sick of winters. I don't blame you. <laughs> so, so it looks like Doc, you. This is Zach, by the way. Looks like you have worked with uh, Olympics, Olympians, and professional athletes from every organization there is. So you've you've had a pretty good life, I guess, right there. I have been very fortunate. I was once uh, the athlete. We had a sports psychologist with the team with us, and I remember thinking that's a pretty cool gig. And then over the years, having the opportunity of working with national champion teams up in Washington, D.C., with the, uh, the Mathis Dags, the Dunbar Poets up in Baltimore, and then starting working with pro teams and Olympians, this has been a very blessed life. I am very grateful. When you said you were an athlete, what, let's, before we get into your current vocation here, what, tell us about your athletic career. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a very athletic family. My father was a three-sport spe- three uh, specialist back in high school, and uh, my great-uncle was the head of Parks and Rec for the city of Chicago, so I got to go to uh, Cubs games and Bears games, nice. and it was just ma- magical. I was a three-sport also uh, back in high school, had the opportunity on a couple of the teams, and then uh, college as a walk-on and a coach uh, – directed me to focus on my academics since I couldn't beat anybody on the team. (laughs) (laughs) I got my doctorate, but afterwards I was a teaching pro back in Chicago when I got my uh, doctorate, and I was the captain of the Hopkins competitive tennis team when I was at Johns Hopkins doing my training. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You had it going on. Didn't know Johns Hopkins had it. I was fixing to say, if I couldn't go no better school than Johns Hopkins, I believe I'd just quit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I do appreciate that. I'm from Chicago, so I know people. There you go. Remember that, Tom. I know a guy. I know a guy. I know a guy. Oh, man. That's awesome. Doc, what I'm, I'm looking there, Todd printed, I give, give Todd credit, he printed out a, a page list of uh, accomplishments. And one of the things here okay. at the bottom, well, first we're going to talk yeah. about your book here in a little bit, but, you know, you're – you do Asperger's, Asperger's, Asperger's. I'm sorry, Todd. Asperger's inspir- uh, interventions, clinical motivation. But at the bottom here, it says uh, the National Forum on Native American Dropout Prevention Strategies. I mean, is there any topic of, of psychology that you don't cover? 
Well, before I came down to Florida, I was the director of prevention services in the Department of Pediatrics at mm. Johns Hopkins at the School of Medicine. Wow. And my whole thing is to be able to deal with an issue rather than wait for it to become a problem. So my whole career has been spent in helping kids stay out of trouble. And, and that's how I ended up getting the opportunity of working with the Native American Indian Tribal Council. And that was a magnificent group. They, they had hundreds of uh, national tribes represented from around the country, and our goal was to help them to be as successful as possible. Because unfortunately, the dropout rate is stunning. Uh, alcohol uh, yeah. abuse is stunning. Limited uh, vocational opportunities for them. Most kids who unfortunately go through the uh, the tribal education, when they come out at high school and go to the public schools, they're immediately put into special ed programs. That's how poor the education is on, yeah. on the reservation. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've seen documentaries yeah. and stuff. Um, Dr. Isatai, by the way, of, of, of that very situation. And it is sad, the poverty and, the and like you yeah. said, just the, yeah. the lack of access to, to programs or anything and lack of jobs and alcoholism. is, is It's just a hard, yeah. hard life. So um, hats off to you, commend you, to, to, you. to be working with that group. Yeah, I had set up a program called Project Champions. And it's a youth prevention program, so it works on developing self-esteem, assertiveness, decision-making, conflict resolution, goal-setting, character development, uh, assertiveness, all of those factors that have been proven to uh, decrease at-risk behavior and increase be it graduation rate, prevent teen pregnancy, substance use. And, and so it's a pleasure to be able to set these programs up uh, throughout the country. Uh, Doc, uh, how uh, you've dealt with high school athletes, athletics college and pro who are the most kids that you can get through i guess you could say as far as athletes high school college or pro which ones listen better what you have to say i would actually say if you were to identify the elite athlete at most of these levels i love your question um there's a group of individuals who have been raised by society at a very young age to feel special and rules don't apply to them. Those individuals are, it's difficult to work with because they think they're all that in a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the sad thing is they can really be uh, a negative to the team. If they're uh, playing in a team sport, they, they don't think they necessarily need the intervention, but the, the curious aspect, it's the individual who works hard, diligent, persistent, uh, that individual thrives. And so at a young age, and the earlier we can help these athletes develop these mental conditioning skills, the greater we could see their potential as they move to a collegiate level and then on to a professional or Olympic level. So I'm thrilled to work with pros because many of them have never been really given the opportunity or may not have been open to the opportunity. And so they get referred to me one of two ways. The first way is terrible. The second way is really great. The first way is if they're referred to me because the commissioner of the league, uh, mm. a coach of a team or an owner says, okay, you just broke the law, you're on TV for bad stuff, you know, you got some serious problems, go talk to Shanitsky. Well, you're, you're not too motivated to talk to me. You didn't want to talk beforehand. Now you're forced to talk. Mm. And the other way, the second, the second way that gets the best referral is when uh, you turn to one of your teammates and you say to your teammate, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on, but before you get into trouble, we really need to work on something. Go talk to this guy, Shanitsky. I worked with him before. 
He's great. Nobody needs to know that you're seeing him. Now I get a guy who's highly motivated, very interested in resolving things. And I've already been vetted by their buddy. Yeah. When we've had some, had a couple of guys on here. We had Shane McGowan on a couple of times. Uh, I don't know if you know Shane or not. He's he's calls himself a mental game coach. And then we've got had a local guy on here a couple of times, uh, Roger um, Kitchen, and uh, he he's he's a mental skills coach. And so it sounds like mm-hmm. what you do and what they do are very similar, but there there does seem to be. You know, a difference there. there seems to be a distinction yeah. between yeah. the two. Yeah. Good, good point. Um, yeah, my background was clinical, and I was fortunate enough to get tracked through into a sports world. Um, one of the things that I always like to be able to talk about is that you are working with a, a tactical coach. You're probably going to be working with a nutritional coach. You're going to work with an exercise physiologist. But are you also working on being mentally tough? And that's where I come in. So how to help an individual stay laser-focused, develop a kill instinct, let go of the past, not focus on the work, on the future. And that's where I come in. Yeah, that, and, you know, there's a lot – well, now they do, but years ago people didn't think about that. And, and athletics is such a mental thing to do, right, yeah. And doctor? And, and, oh. and so by, you know, people being able to work with you, that just has to bring their entire game up. And also you have an advantage, you being a former – very good athlete yourself you know you know what right. it was like to have right. to compete at a high level so um that just benefits the client as well i'm sure yeah i appreciate that it's just because someone has the intellectual capability to get an advanced degree yeah. doesn't mean that they've actually understood the sport and exactly. so a lot of my athletes are grateful that i've had the background and i can also speak the language yeah so so if, so if we get to Shanks and golf, we can come talk to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, if if we get to Shanks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your book there a little bit. Uh, well, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say there is one chapter specifically devoted to the concept of choking and the yips, all the unmentionable. Oh, there you go. Good deal. There you go. Good deal. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, speaking of that one chapter, the book is named uh, – your mind, an owner's manual for a better life. Uh, Actually, that's my first book. That's your that, first that, book. Okay. Book. Wow. Yeah. Well, tell us about um, the latest book then. <laughs> <laughs> the, the latest book is called A Champion's Mindset, 15 Mental Conditioning Steps to Becoming a Champion Athlete. Hey, Perfect. I, so that, that, you just don't have to be an athlete to read that book then doc because that that would apply to real life too i'm sure absolutely the the idea that that first book and my second book um the first one was what are the most common issues i see that present in counseling and here are the recommendations to make the second book was take control of your anxiety a drug-free approach to living a happy healthy life because anxiety is the common cold in mental health and this third book is my passion this is my specialty and that is a champion's mindset. And so my role as the sports psychologist is to help not just athletes, but you'll find by going through the concepts in the book, if you acquire or assimilate these these uh, steps, these skills, it'll not only help you on the competitive field, it'll help you. These will help you in life. What is the most common issue that you have to address with athletes, individuals who come to you for help? Uh, uh, the internal self-talk, it is stunning. Um, these are usually high achievers, 
and they have this tendency of being perfectionistic, which is a double-edged sword. They can be both exceptional at applying themselves, working towards uh, becoming the best athlete they can be, and that's great as far as a motivator. The problem is they can also be hypercritical of themselves hmm. and be almost self-abusive. And so I always like to point out to them, we're not striving for perfection. You really should consider changing that concept to strive for excellence. Perfection is hmm. an outcome. Excellence is the capacity to do your best. That's great. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's very, very interesting right there. I mean, just, just think about it. If, yes. if you are striving for perfection and you are the top in your sport, that's magnificent. But based on that same logic, if you're the sixth best player of whatever that sport is in the world, oh, you might as well just quit. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, yeah. That would be that mindset, right? Yeah. Right. That's and, a great and that's point. The sad thing. You probably know people who are this way too, and they're never ever comfortable. They're always what's next, and it's, they can't kind of appreciate life. Yeah. Um, and by the way, just because you do your best doesn't guarantee an outcome. And so I point out to all my athletes, I mean, let's just say you golf and shoot a course record 62. It doesn't guarantee you win the tournament. You might have had a couple of other rounds that were off. Yeah. Um, swim your fastest that you could in a pool and go against Michael Phelps, and I bet you you're going to lose. <laughs> the yeah. goal is yeah. perfection. Yeah. It's doing right. your best. That's right. Yeah. Well, Doc, we want to thank you for coming on, and don't be a stranger. Uh, here's your website for everybody that's listening out there, www.drshenitsky.com, and I'm going to spell that for everybody. Uh, <laughs> not like I need to, but that's uh, www.drshenitsky.com. D-R-S-H-I-N-I-T-C-K-Y dot com. Doc, it's been a it's been a hoot, and yeah. we want to wish you the best. <laughs> you guys are great. Thank All you, Doc. Right. Thank you, Doc. Right. Dr. Take Harrell. care. Thank Do- you. Thank you. Dr. Harold Shinitsky, you're listening to Applebee's Tailgate Talk here on WKAC, the Big Ten Eight. You've been listening to the best of Tailgate Talk. You can hear the archive of this and other shows online at tailgatetalk.net. Join us next Saturday at 10 a.m. Applebee's Tailgate Talk is a production of Play Action Sports on 1080 WKAC.